Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Any attempt to be like, we're just going to go to the club and you're going to bring your toddler is just sad and wrong. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. It's like so long farewell, but really, really truncated. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Even so long farewell, I always look at that scene and I'm like, wow, those party guests must be so annoyed right now. <laughs> A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we're talking about how to maintain your friendships with friends who don't have kids. Friends without kids. Those brilliant, lucky people who we know. <laughs> I was just saying somebody was, I was on vacation and somebody was like, yeah, I don't have kids. I'm the fun aunt. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like I really let that job pass me by. I was pretty good at fun aunt. You we still are a fun aunt. but I'm still a fun aunt, but man, I could have really landed in that strike zone for life, I think. <laughs> I mean, not that I don't enjoy having kids, but wow, fun aunt was a really good job. You know, one of our many similarities is we also have, we each have two sisters and of those two sisters, one is a parent and one is not a parent and is an awesome aunt. Yes. I, I, my sister without kids is like, if you look up fun aunt in the dictionary, she, there's a giant portrait of her. She's the super fun aunt. We were just on vacation for like four or five days with my, with my sister and, and my daughter had to sit next to her at every meal. And she is like, she's all in for Uno or the water slide or whatever. And it's really good to have those people in your life, like whether you're related to them or not. And watching them relate to your kids is really heartwarming and wonderful. But of course, the fact that they have to also have a relationship with your kids is what makes it so complicated to continue your friendship because there's another person involved all of a sudden. Yeah. And I think for friends or relatives who don't have kids, you have to make really sure that they're into the role of being a person in your kid's life. Right. Because it can be very easy. And I think one of the roadblocks to having a successful relationship with people who don't have kids is some people are not that into kids and that's fine. It is fine, but it does affect like, like I, I, I could tell, right. When I had my first child, I have a baby, I'm in the house and everybody kind of comes for like the royal presentation once, but the people who come once and then feel like they've kind of ticked the box 
and then don't really want to hear about it anymore. I mean, that's their perfect right. And and you're right. Some people are just are just like that. But it's it, they are harder to have an ongoing relationship with when you all of a sudden have another human being who has become your primary focus. And you can and that can make you really annoying to be around for friends without kids. I'm certain. But it is all of a sudden you're not speaking the same language anymore. Now, when you had your kids, did most of your friends have kids already? It, it was a weird, sh- weird sort of breakdown for me because I had sort of one foot in the people with jobs <laughs> and who, who wear suits to work kind of world where, yes, people were settling down and having kids and we were certainly in the main. And then my artistic actor's life friends were, no, nobody had kids yet. And most of them still don't because the artistic life and putting your kids first is just it's just kind of incompatible. No, I was sort of a fascinating exception among my that friends. Group. Yeah, the right. friends you did that this I totally to weird thing, which yeah. was you lived a normal life. Yeah, exactly. I had my first at 37. And so I was late to the game. And so I was fun aunt, fun friend for really a long stretch of my existence. And then by the time I had kids, it was like, oh, welcome to the pool. The water's fine. Like most of my people had kids. I'd been with their kids. And so it was like, I was kind of joining the club. And so I didn't have, but I know for people, my best friend had a baby at, um, you know, 19 and she was the only person we knew with a kid for a long time. And her son became kind of like the team mascot in a way, like he kind of came along to everything and he rolled with everything and he was always around and it was like, kind of a, oh, there's a kid with us. He kind of got in our world versus what really happens when you have kids more in your late 20s, early 30s, which is you kind of step out of your friend's world. And it's like, do you want to come visit my world or not? And for a lot of people, I think the answer is not. Right. Right. Because you don't, when you're not in it, you don't understand. I remember uh, meeting my, my brother and his wife for dinner. We, and we brought our two kids. We were visiting our hometown and then they're like, let's go have dinner. And they did the thing of texting us at the time that you're supposed to meet and say like, sorry, we're running late. We'll be there soon, which is somewhat acceptable when it's all adults. But when you have like a three-year-old and a one-year-old and like dinner's at six and it can't be at 645 because the window is so narrow right. and you're going to have right. two screaming kids Dinner's at six and by six thirty we fed them crackers and they're screaming in the restaurant. And by seven o'clock, we have to leave. Like they're yes. done. Yes. And so, and, and then from, from my standpoint, it's like, how can you not understand how my, my kids needs need to be the focus of the evening or else I won't be able to enjoy myself. And then the friends without kids are like, how, wh- why are we all of a sudden, you know, pinning everything on what this short fat dictator wants? Right. <laughs> to speak. I had an old blog called yeah. short fat dictator because it basically sums up life. And then, from the non-kid point of view, I spent a lot of time being like, oh, hey, let's meet at this fun, hip restaurant. And then someone was like, okay, great. I'll bring my two-year-old. And it's like, oh, please don't do that. Like, you have to find the new normal. Any attempt to be like, we're just going to go to the club and you're going to bring your toddler is just, it's it's sad and wrong. Yeah. I think in general, like, if you're going to have socializing that happens you really only have two choices. Number one, get a sitter and go live your old life. Totally fine. Although you're kind of like, uh, I'm on the clock here. Can we wrap it up? Number two, come over to my house 
the kids can play in the playroom and we'll have dinner at my house. To me, it all goes wrong in those attempts of like, let's just pretend nothing's changed. Like right. everything is different. That's always a bad idea. Yeah. You're now like on a ticking clock that the other people naturally don't understand. My kids were just away with their grandparents for two weeks. And my husband and I went to go for a bike ride. We're like, oh, let's get the bikes out. And there's a highway that shuts down on Sundays. Let's go ride on that shut down highway and go have an awesome time. And we got the bikes in the car. We get, it's like 15, 20 minute drive. We get over there, we get out, we start biking right away. Like my gear shift falls off and the thing that attaches it has broken off and we can't go. And we're just like, oh, all right, well, let's put the bikes back in the car. We'll go home. We'll go for a run and then we'll go grab lunch. Like that's life without kids. Like one part of the plan goes wrong. Eh, no big deal. If you're doing that bike ride with kids, suddenly everyone's crying. The day is ruined. You've got to re like, you can't improvise at all with kids in tow. And that is something you just, it's hard to appreciate that when you don't have kids. Another thing that I've found that makes it difficult for me is that there's been a couple times in my life. One, when I had a uh, newborn, he had reflux. I mean, he was a nightmare. He was up every 45 minutes. <laughs> that poor kid gets dinged on every episode. It's, like he, that kid's reflux lives in infamy now the on hardest, the Shell podcast. You know, it was the hardest year of my, my life. And, and there's a fog that rolls in when you're a little postpartum and just like chronically, chronically sleep deprived. And I really needed somebody to throw me a life preserver, but I was too tired to put a sentence together, let alone reach out to people. And I needed people to reach out to me, but my friends without kids, they don't, they don't know that that can happen. And so they're like, I guess I don't hear from her. So I guess she's really busy. It happened again when my daughter was sick. She was in the hospital. The friends who knew and came and showed up and helped out were my friends with kids because our kids go to school together. And so that's how they knew it was even happening. Does that make sense? Like I, yeah. didn't, ha I didn't have time to lift my head from my crisis to say like, Hey person I see for lunch every three months. Cause our lives are crazy. I really could use your help right now. And then I was out of touch with this person for months. And then when we finally got back together, I'm like, Oh yeah, so this happened and this was going on. And they're, they're kind of hurt that you didn't let them in, which makes sense. But it's like, oh God, I didn't have time to sort of notify my, anybody but my next of kin. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. And, and then I'm resenting them for, for not being there and, and they're resenting me for not having reached out to them in my time of need. It's, it's a tough thing. And I think also there's kind of a, um, like a window for stuff that you don't always experience when you're in it. I know people who've had like traumas and tragedies and people who've dealt with bad things and I know for everybody, there's a time where it's like, okay, so right in the beginning, everyone's like, how can I help? What can I do? You seem like you're struggling, whatever. You're, you've had a death in the family, your kids in the hospital, like people kind of show up in the beginning and then there's, but there's kind of a lag, like by the, you're still in it. And people have kind of moved on to other things. And it's like, wow, she sure complains a lot about her kids or whatever, you know, like right. it's like you've run out of rope kind of in a way. And I think that's something that both sides have to be kind of aware of. There's been a lot of discussion around like depression and stuff in the news. And I see it on Facebook and stuff. And people talking about this idea of like depressed people, much like sleep deprived moms, they almost lose the capacity to do that step, which is like, hey, I need help. Right. And so it's probably good for friends with kids or without kids. Like I don't always do this for my friends. I have kids and I'm not always sensitive to my friends with kids. My, I was just with my sister-in-law who had an eight week old and we were on vacation. And I remember looking at one point thinking, God, she, she 
seems really tired. <laughs> I'm remembering, oh, that's right. She's so tired. Mm-hmm. But you can't possibly remember how hard it is to have an eight-week-old when you don't have one. It's just almost the leap. And I, I kept kind of saying like, eh, can I help with anything? But it's kind of hard. I can't breastfeed. She's exclusively breastfeeding. I'm not really getting up with the baby at 3 a.m. And so here's one suggestion that I have for friends without kids, for everybody. Try to be proactive in your suggestions of what might be helpful. That's yeah, that's really helpful. So try at one point, you know, we were out on the boat and and so she stayed behind. And at some point we were passing the house on the boat and I said, let me jump off. And I went in and I said, I'm going to take the baby for an hour. You go ride the boat. And, you know, I could tell she was a little squirrely about it. Like, uh, I'm not sure, you know, it doesn't leave the baby with a lot of people. I said, I'm going to text you if the baby, the baby's asleep. I'll text you if the baby wakes up, but otherwise I'm here. You go like, try to find really proactive offers that are not what can I do to help? Because you're so foggy and so overwhelmed at times that you can't, who knows how you can help. Right. And I think in general for us to our friends without kids, it's also very easy to get into the mode of like, you don't understand. I can't do that. You know, I can't talk on the phone for 45 minutes. I'm very busy. I can't deal with your problems. I have kids. And it's like having kids kind of becomes this obnoxious trump card where the friend without kids, you kind of feel like you think you have problems. I have kids. And that is not nice and very tempting, but you got to stop doing it. Right. That's not, that's not a welcome message from to the, to the friends without kids who are made to feel like, oh, so you think I'm, I'm not busy. Um, it, it's and that, and that resentment is there. And I think that the societal sort of resentment boils down and it can't help but enter relationships sometimes. Like I, I have a, I have a friend who doesn't have kids. She's one of my artistic friends. She made that decision because she wants to travel around the country and work and, uh, you know, and be a designer and, and she can't do that with, you know, tethered to a child and she can't be a good parent of doing that. Anyway, um, I always assumed that that was a very um, easily made decision on her part. And then hmm. finally, like one time she, you know, she confessed to me like Mother's Day is hard for me. And I said, what do you mean? You know, and she's like, you, you, you know, and I was like, why would Mother's Day be hard for you? Her mom's alive. I didn't get it. It was because. It, it, you know, she has to re-engage with her decision not to be a parent. And, and I was like, God, I, I never, I never understood that about you. I'm not saying every friend of ours without kids is. Feels that way, for feels sure. Feels that way. Plenty, plenty don't, but some do. And I do think that's a factor that complicates things, particularly when you're like, well, you have no idea what it's like. Right. And it's so hard to be me. And the whole nonsense about like, I, I never knew what love was. Right. You know, I, I first became a person the day that I held my baby in my arms, like this, all that stuff that the world says they're soaking in it. And then we say like, well, you think you're busy and, and yeah, they're going to hold it against us a little bit. And any, and so many experiences, but nothing to me compares to having kids. And they're just overwhelmed, fundamentally very overwhelming experiences, right? If you live in that place and I have, I have, I have people in my life who've like lost a spouse at a young age and it's like, no one knows what that experience is like for them. No one can understand the like the grief, the actual mechanics of how difficult it is, the unbelievable burden of like high light bulb goes out, your spouse used to do that, you don't know how. Like the vast complex difficulty of losing a spouse at a young age is something that I, knock on wood, do not understand. But even for people in that situation, 
if you just live in the story of like, no one understands how hard this is for me. It's just not, we talk all the time on the podcast about like, what's your story and watch your story. And if your story becomes like, people cannot understand how hard my life is because they don't see how overwhelming it is. It's true. They don't really understand, but it's also not really their full-time job to understand how hard your life is. <laughs> I was, this, this all came to bear. I'm working on a show with a friend who, um, who doesn't have kids and she wrote a um, scene for a group of stay-at-home mothers that are sitting in one room. And one of the stay-at-home mothers says, don't you think staying at home is boring? And everybody at the table was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And I said, she wouldn't say that. Or if she would say that, somebody else would say, what are you talking about? It's a hamster wheel. It's not boring. Right. And she's like, right. well, I think it, I think it would, it is kind of boring. I'm like, it's like mind numbing, but it's not boring. Like, you know, and I took that very personally, right? That somebody without kids was reading into my experience as something that must be boring. I'm like, it's so the opposite of boring. But I mean, it just was, it just was, we were standing on the two sides of the Great Canyon, Grand Canyon. Right. Shouting across at each other. I once um, read something about military service and they were saying like the difficulty of like being on a military base in a conflict zone is like your life is basically 99% boring and 1% life threatening. And I was like, huh, I relate to that experience. You know, like it's basically like, yes, there's there's just a lot of kind of nothing, but then there's a constant threat of something terrible happening. And there's also a lot of busy work to keep you going. Right. It's definitely not boring. There's always something to do. Right. There's always something to do. And there's always the threat that something's going to go disastrously wrong. There is that misunderstanding. I mean, I was trying to research this episode and there's not there's not a bunch of different points of view on this. Right. There's a lot of essays written by by people without kids who are like, stop making me come to your stupid kids birthday party. It's boring and I don't really care. And the and the and then the articles by the people without kids like what my friends with kids will never understand is that now my heart walks around outside my body and like and, and it's right. oh and we're spare just, us all. Yeah, we're a little stuck there. Um, so I think, I think we think understand. It's, it's very clear that we understand that there is a divide between having kids and not having kids and that maintaining relationships between those two sides can be challenging, fraught, and difficult for a host of different reasons. So we're going to talk in the second half. I'm going to talk to an expert in the field of not having kids, my friend Candy <laughs> Fight, who doesn't have any kids. And we're going to have a discussion about it. But I think before we get to that, we should have a little bit of a discussion about solutions. Yes. We always want to have takeaways. I think the most important solution is my dog theory of children. And it is this. Having kids and having a dog, you should assume your friends without kids or even your friends with kids are not interested in your children or your dog. So when you walk into a house, you should assume the person does not like dogs. That's the assumption you should make at the beginning. Then let them come to the dog and be like, oh, I want to play with your dog. But when you walk into a house and the dog like jumps all over you and the person's like, isn't that dog adorable? And you're like, uh, not really. They're like sniffing my bits and I'm not really into it. Like, yep. And then like, oh, look at what the dog can do. It Don't assume that anyone walking into your house is interested in your dog and usually make the same assumption for your kids. <laughs> I have a ton of friends who don't have kids and some of them are into kids and some of them are not. And it's not a value judgment. Like, and a lot of them are into kids in the way that I am into other, I'm not that into other people's kids. Confession time. 
Um, um, yeah, like I'm really not into other people's cats. Let's put it that way. So it's- I'm not into other people's <laughs> dogs, cats, or kids. I'm a selfish person who only thinks about myself. But listen, I don't want to go to dinner. My pet peeve in life is to go to dinner and talk about other people's kids. Like if you, go, when I go to a dinner with couples and it's like, oh, so-and-so is doing great. Oh, they're learning Spanish. And this month, first week of camp is this. Second week, I'm just like, how many weeks of camp do we have to get through here? Like I remember there used to be a column. Now get ready for a full oldie locks alert. Back in my day. Do you remember a magazine called Premier Magazine? Oh yeah. Way back in the day. Movie right? Movie magazine. Movie magazine. And there used to be it was a like columnist. the 90s, but I guess that is way back in the day. It's way, no. Amy, yeah. that's way back in the <laughs> I day. I was an adult up. then. That's not possible. Yeah, you were an adult and it was a long time ago. But there used to be a column. It was but Paul Rudnick it, and it was Libby Gelman Libby Wexler. Libby Gelman Wexler, right? It was his auto, uh, alternate ego. Reviewing movies. And there was a line in that where he talked about Kenneth Branagh, who was at the height of his fame at the time, like making these, um, what do you call that? Like oeuvre or what's the word I'm looking for? Like when like you make like- Howard's End and Shakespeare movies and Well, but he, he wrote and it, I mean, he didn't write. He directed and starred in all these Shakespeare movies that were like his like, you know, masterpieces. And he said, Kenneth Branagh is so talented and wonderful, but he just reminds me of a child performing at a dinner party. You just think how wonderful, how talented, how I wish he would go to bed. (laughs) And I was just like, first of all, it's a great review of Kenneth Branagh, but it's also like everybody's kind of had that experience of like, and now for their next trick. And you're like, no, I I get it. They're great. Like a lot of kids, I enjoy them, but... I'm kind of ready for them to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And right. And even, even people with kids can feel that way. And I feel like that's how we were presented at adult functions. I have, I'm not sure if I told this story on the podcast, but it's my husband's favorite thing about my family. My mom and dad at like 630 at night, I'm sure it was only on the weekends. Like they weren't doing this every single night, but at 630 at night, it was cocktails and adult talk time. And often they were friends over and it was cocktails and adult talk time. And they would put a baby gate. We were like way older than babies. And they would put baby gates up at the doors. And that was the sign that it was adult talk time and no children were allowed to enter. And there were, we of course became like, there must be something amazing going on in there. And we would hang on the gate and like stare in at them. Like, what are they doing in there? But we were not allowed to enter and we were often shoot off the gate. Like go entertain yourself. The adults are talking. It's definitely a model I've carried through. Like I often have dinner parties for friends or friends without kids, but it's not, it's not a kid event. The kids are, you know, getting ready for bed or we've usually like given them a shower. They're all but ready for bed. And we have a catwalk in our house over the dining room table. And if they come out to the catwalk and say something cute, we're like, ha ha, go to bed. Like <laughs> it's like so long farewell, but really, really truncated. Even so long farewell. I always look at that scene and I'm like, wow, those party guests must be so annoyed right now. <laughs> They're like, can we Good wrap it up? Do we really have to have the solo from every Good of the, se- every one of the seven children? <laughs> I, that's exactly what I think when I watch that scene in Sound of Music. I'm like, this is pretty indulgent. <laughs> These party guests must be really like, when is the buffet opening? Do we have to really sit through this whole number? You know, the way I've gotten around this, here's my takeaway, and it's a little bit easier once you're maybe, you know, out of the crawling baby phase, but lose the being offended that your friends who don't have kids might not be that into your kids. I've stopped feeling bad about that, and I've started, you know, just 
making making time for my friends who don't have kids and don't want to talk about my kids. Like, have lunch with them while my kids are at school. I don't have to give up my kids, but just just separate it. Don't feel bad about it. Just, just because tethering yourself to that part of yourself that isn't a parent and doesn't have to talk about your kids all the time is good for you too. Oh, it is so good for you. Making your kids the absolute center of your life to the point where you can no longer relate to people who don't have kids is bonkers. (laughs) Bonkers. So yeah, so we're going to have a conversation with Candy and hear from the other side. We're going to go across the chasm and meet one of these strangers on the other side. And maybe speak to maybe them. she'll tell us what we should be doing differently. I hope she will, because I'm sure she will. She's very frank. Um, all right. So we're going to go to our conversation with Candy after this break. We'll be right back. And now some popular activities as experienced by people with kids and without kids. The pumpkin patch without kids. What is a pumpkin patch? Is that somewhere you go to make out? With kids. Oh my God, help me push the wheelbarrow. These things weigh a thousand pounds. No, 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 no. Stay out of the core maze. We are not going back into that hellscape. The beach without kids. This book is such a page turner. Oh, pass me a mimosa, would you, darling? With kids. Yes, I will help you make a sandcastle as soon as I finish burying Maisie in the sand. Oh, good Lord, where's Chandler? Lifeguard? Road trip without kids. Who needs a map? Let's just go where the road takes us. Is that an antique shop? Oh, let's stop. With kids. I already told you the Google map says we're exactly 56 minutes away. So please just stop hitting each other. Honey, can you drive any faster? The shower without kids. I'll just let this leave-in conditioner soak in for the recommended 20 minutes. With kids. Fine. If you're going to sit on the toilet while I'm in here, we're going to do times tables. What's four times seven? Halloween without kids. We don't get many trick-or-treaters, so I can't really justify buying candy. With kids. Five bags, baby, and I'm not giving away the good stuff. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. 
Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back. And... I'm not with Amy anymore. I'm with someone new. Introduce yourself, someone new. My name is Candy. And Candy, you have been asked to come on our podcast as a guest because you are a thoughtful, funny, intelligent, and wonderful person, but primarily because you have a distinction. And what is that distinction? I don't have any kids. None. I'm child-free. So... I have a favorite quote about this, and it is, I believe, from Michael Ian Black. I should probably confirm that, but I won't because Amy does all the research and I just talk off the top of my head. People without children will never understand the simple joy of not having children. I had my first child at 37, so I consider myself to have lived on both sides of the divide because I was a person without kids for 37 years. My first question is that I've done a little bit of research to discover that the cost of raising a child to adulthood currently stands at 230 $33,610. I want to know what, what are you doing with all that money? What is that $10? <laughs> <laughs> that, now that is a good question. That's that last fidget spinner. It just really tips it over the edge. I could have dealt with the $233,600, but that $10 set it over the edge. Yeah, it just feels so exact. What are you doing with all that money? The easiest answer is that I'm just spending it. You don't have children. Why don't you have children, if I may ask? Uh, I don't want them. Yeah, I feel really unambivalent about it, which is kind of uh, a rare thing, I think. And you've always felt that way? Always. I, I'm not like, oh, how could it, what would it have been like? I do think that because, of course, I wonder lots of things. I think it know? is 
difficult when one has children and one's friends does not do not have children. Yeah. Do you find it more difficult to maintain relationships with people who have children? Uh, yes and no. So I think those first three, like the first three years, you're not going to see your friends. So you just write them off. You just like make new friends for three years. And you get the birth announcement friends. and you're like, you're dead to me now. I mean, you're just like, I know you're not going to be available. What is your willingness to go and visit with the baby? So I have some rules about baby visits. I don't like uh, babies under six months on my person, meaning like, if you have a little baby, you're afraid of injuring the baby. You don't have a phobia of babies. Like, oh, they're going to get gross baby stuff on me. No, no. I feel like the baby should have a phobia of me because I am not good with babies. Do you find that people overestimate your interest in their children? People generally overestimate interest in themselves, right? Right. People overestimate your interest in their theory of how the New York Times crossword puzzle should be done. Everyone thinks everything they do is more interesting than it actually is. But my secret is, is I actually am interested in your baby. I think I might be a person with kids who's not interested in kids because I have a very low tolerance for hearing about other people's kids. But maybe it's because I spend all day with my own kids. Maybe you're more open to hearing about kids because it's not part of your daily life. There are those parents that like everything is a big deal. Like the fact they have kids is like no one else in the whole entire planet has ever had kids. No one else has like been sleep deprived. No one else has had emotions around kids or those are the people I can't stand. Do you have the experience of people bringing children where you don't want them brought? Do I encounter them outside in the world in places I would rather not see them? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I do too. I think that that's like those people who are like, I'm going to bring my kids to your wedding, even though you say no kids is like, that's not socially acceptable, right? Like I don't bring my dog everywhere. So you do have three dogs. I do. Yes. Which is very controversial <laughs> with me. Three dogs is a lot of dogs. I mean, uh, any one dog is a lot of dogs. I'm not, as you know, a dog person at all. I would even say you're anti-dog. I'm anti-dog. And I made a, a comparison in the first half that one should assume a level of interest in your dog or child that is much lower than you have yourself. Absolutely. When I catch myself or my wife giving the origin story for our three dogs to a poor visiting person to our home. Put upon stranger. (laughs) I do get a little bit nervous. I'm like, wow, no one could possibly care about this. I feel like the dog child parallel has really come to life in this episode for me. I think the phrase, the dog did the most amazing thing or my child (laughs) did the most amazing thing should always serve as a red flag to all. Right. That something is not going well. So I read an article once and it was about a couple deciding whether or not to have kids. And they made a list of pros and cons. So they made this kind of list where they the couple was really undecided about whether or not to have kids. And then finally they reached like the trump card and they came up with the phrase full human experience. What do you think about that? I think there are ways to live a full and rich human experience without giving birth or having kids or having responsibility to be a parent of a child. I think there are many, many ways to have kids in one's life and to like make impact and impression in the next generation if that's what you feel like you need to do in order to uh, live your full humanity. I don't know. I, I'm really skeptical of that, I have to I say. I think the idea of making the list is like, should we or shouldn't we? The thing that tips us over is like, we just want to experience this right. thing. It's kind of interesting to me. Like it's, I feel like that's a little bit how I was. Mm-hmm. I think I could have gone either way. I didn't, I wasn't a person who was like, I can't wait to have kids. And, but I do think that the thing that tipped it over for me was like, 
I guess I'd rather rather try than not. What I like about the full human experience article is that he's like, yes. And then for their whole lives, like when their kid was like, you know, having diarrhea in the car and like throwing up and that they would always just turn to each other and be like, full human experience. That is a good mantra. I hear your point that like, it's annoying to be like, oh, Candy, you don't understand the full human experience because you don't have kids. But there is something about that, like, let's just go into this very human. Maybe it's like, it's very human experience. It is the most fundamental human experience. It's fundamental human experience. Yes. And I was making a comparison when talking to Amy about this, about like, so you have an interesting like life in that you've lived Tell us some of the places you've lived. Um, West Africa, in Senegal, in India, in South Africa, in Johannesburg. So for certain, you've had a more full human experience of being a global person than I have. I've had a different experience. Yeah. But more full, I would say. I mean, I've lived in like New York, California. You know, I mean, it's not the same. It's not the same. If I was putting it on some sort of scale, I would say you've had a more full human experience in terms of experiencing the globe than I have. Objectively, you have. Yes. Like I've had, I've interacted with a tremendous number of different people. So if you were a person who began every sentence, like Meg, what you don't understand is in Senegal, like... Of course, we would have a very annoying relationship because you would be sort of lording over me your more full global experience that I haven't had. It would be annoying. And it would also be a a way to not have a relationship with someone, right? It would be chasm-y. As we build our bridge across the chasm, you don't come in with the expectation of like, Meg doesn't understand anything because she's never lived in all these amazing countries that I have. And likewise, you're not like... Candy doesn't understand anything because she hasn't, she doesn't have kids. She hasn't been vomited upon by a three-year-old. But I have been. (laughs) That is full human experience. It's just not clear whether or not you actually want that full human experience. Exactly. I will say the best way to have no kids is to have kids that you love that are in your life. People related to you? Uh, Some of them and some of them are not. I, so we have, I have a very, very close friend who lives in Vermont. I think his kid, whose name is Milo, is always really happy when my wife and I go visit because his parents are happy. We're having fun. It's just better. You know, it's better for everyone in a way. And like my best memories of my parents was when they were with their friends, you know, having fun and like laughing and enjoying their lives. So I I do think there's something to that. I just told a story about how when my parents had their friends over, they would put up gates and not not allow the children (laughs) to get near them. Like literally put up gates. Oh my God. That's kind of awesome. I definitely have memories of like my parents having parties downstairs with their friends and Mm. us like leaning over the balcony and like looking to see what the people were wearing and what they were doing and like you know people like drinking and smoking cigarettes and looking like very exciting because it was the 1970s yeah um but i say that my parents friends were always big parts of our lives i'm still in touch with them like definitely i think community is excellent and you're robbing yourself if you exclude your friends without kids from your community and if you assume that they don't want to be part of it like do yes so assume a slight lack of interest make room and like allow them into your lives and allow them to be part of your kids lives absolutely if they want to and like for instance i have some some personal rules that i i'd like to adhere to like I don't go to baby showers. I will, but I really don't like to go to kids' birthday parties. Because once again, like, 
what am I doing there? But do you I, get invited to kids' birthday parties? I do. I mean, not like, I don't want to give the impression that like every week, but, like I have to be like, no, no, sorry, I can't come to your party. <laughs> You're not the <laughs> hottest kids' birthday party guest in New York City. No, but like when I have been, I, you know, and I think people do it to be nice, obviously. Like, right. They want to include you, but yeah. you're like, no, you, you can leave me off that exactly. list. Exactly. Like I'm kind of like, that is the way my disinterest manifests. Well, that seems that. really fair to me. I think it's nice to be around kids and to not have them at the same time. One of the things I, that really surprised me about having kids was how much I enjoyed the weird parts of the world that it opened up to me, like right. going to pumpkin patches, going to see kids costumes parades. Like I would do that every day. I love it. You know, yeah. um, going to, I mean, horrible, like going to arcades and like laser tag places, horrible, but yes. it, so it opens up a lot of horrible things, but there are some things like, Hey, like I would say to you, no problem. Hey, on Saturday, we're going to the farm with the kids. Do you want to come? Like, I think that would be really fun. Yeah, totally. It's so fun to go to a farm and, and, and probably, maybe I'm making assumptions about your life, but I would assume that you're not like spending a lot of Saturdays like, oh, let me drive out to a farm and pet the animals. Like, exactly. I, that's something that like with a friend without kids, I might be like, hey, this would be fun if you want to come with us. Right. Because yeah. that is a really fun part about having kids is things that you really haven't done since you were a kid, getting to do them again. I think like people with kids especially ones where one couples where the child rearing falls to one person, right? More than the other. Cause whatever, um, like they should ask for help from their friends without kids. Sometimes Amy brought this up and I think it's a really interesting and good point. I, I just think like, we don't really know. So the whole, like, you don't know what it's like to have kids. That's one way, but like, we actually don't know like what you might want or need. Well, I think we always try to end with like conclusions. And I feel like what we've concluded is first, remember when you're using the phrase, my kid or dog did something amazing that you're getting into dangerous territory. Danger. Second, realize, and I think this is an important takeaway because I don't think I would have thought of this as much that your friends without, cause I'm always like, assume no one cares about your kids. That's always my like strident point of view. Allow, assume maybe, or at least continually offer opportunities for your friends without kids to be part of your kid life. Yes. But I mean, make good choices. That doesn't mean invite them to like the fourth grade birthday party at fun town. Exactly. Nobody wants to go to that. The yeah. only part you, if you don't want to go, your ch- friend without kids doesn't want to go either. But if you do want to go, maybe your friend without kids does want to go. Exactly. Lastly, which I think is interesting, your friends without kids may be willing and able to help you with your kids. Yeah, totes. And obviously, like if you're just like dropping your kids off at your friend without kids' house every single day. No, no, don't do that. I'm not encouraging that. I feel like we've decided that the chasm can be crossed. Oh, absolutely. We can still be friends, even though I live in child world and you live in the wonderful land where you get to go to brunch. I, I brunch all the time. You have meals that last like for several hours. Am I, do I have the full human experience? Well, that's the question. That's the question. No, I mean, brunch versus, you know, like. That's why when you're brunching, I like to drive by on a bike and scream. You're not living the full human experience. Exactly. Candy, you are now going to fill in for Amy because it's time to do our wrap up. Oh. Instagram. Oh, on Instagram, we're at What Fresh Hellcast. Facebook. Facebook at What Fresh Hellcast. LinkedIn. No, we're not on LinkedIn. Venmo. 
okay, stop. We're not. People aren't sending us money. What would Why that, not? how would that even happen? Why not? Uh, we are also on Twitter at WFH Podcast. We also have a website. We Usually we put up links, but we didn't really discuss articles. We just kind of went off the cuff today. But you can still always go to www.whatfreshhealthpodcast.com and find more information about our episodes and listen to our episodes and just go visit our website because it's a great place. All right, guys. Thank you, Candy, for joining us. Candy, where can we find you? Uh, I'm in Brooklyn. <laughs> well, on the web, though. Do you want to oh, promote anything? Sure. I will promote my website, which is fightphoto.com. So Candy's name, I feel like we should have gotten to this earlier, is oh. Candy Fight, which is the greatest name ever in the history of the world. Candy is an unbelievable, talented photo- photographer. Is not the way you say that word. Photographer. And you should look her up at F. E-I-T-Photo.com. Great talking to you, Candy. And guys, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.